if you don't lean in in those moments when people are the most vulnerable and like going through like some shit, no one is ever going to be prepared. Like my parents did, did not know how to prepare me to be a mom. I think no one prepared them to talk about shit. Like you have to like deal with the pain of having that conversation in order to prevent like shit from continuing to spiral. Hey everyone, welcome back to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Today is a lovely sunny day in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we're doing another recording for season three. Wanted to tell you all a little bit about our guest before I introduce her. Uh, This is a friend, a friend of a friend, Insta DM friend. Uh, We only really got to hang out a few times prior to COVID hitting uh, because Uh, This individual in front of me, Alex, is actually close to friends with Josh, my significant other, which y'all have heard from before. And so it's been really nice to get to talk with her more. And now that we feel safe enough to be around each other, we had Alex come over for a podcast recording. But before we get into sharing about Alex, I want to remind y'all to please follow us on social media, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, tell your mom, tell your friends, tell your dad, tell your siblings, tell your vet, tell whoever you have in your life that you think deserves to listen to a podcast or should listen to a podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, We are hopefully going to be doing another season before we head off for a trip at the end of the summer. And then before we know it, it's going to be the end of 2021, which I just can't wrap my head around just yet. But in the meantime, let's get back to Alex. So in front of me, I have Alex Robbins. Alex is an HR professional and manager of an international team of specialists here in North Carolina. She is a young professional, a mom of one human, but a mom to many pets and other (laughs) other people in her life. And she also plays Ultimate Frisbee, which is how I came to know Alex in my life. So welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for coming. Right before you came here, you had said you were playing basketball. (laughs) So thanks for cutting that to come here. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's been been really nice to actually like have the blessing of being able to be vaccinated and like go and do stuff again. I didn't realize just how much my like life had been like stagnated by COVID. Like we've been very blessed, but like just being able to be around other people in public still feels super wild to me. When play a sport, like a group team sport. Yeah, it's so nice. I like, I obviously, you know me through um, Josh and Frisbee. So I think it goes without saying that I'm like super into team sports. Yeah. But it's just been really nice to have like an outlet for yeah. the rest of life. Josh uh, Josh is lovingly known in the Ultimate Frisbee community as, as JKS. So if you hear Alex <laughs> refer to JKS at any point in time today, that is who she is referencing. And I can imagine, you know, I'm not going to speak for him, but he felt very similarly. You know, his life revolved around Ultimate and the last... We were just in, where did we go? Hilton Head? Where mm-hmm. were we right before COVID hit in I think it was 2020? I think it was Hilton Head. Yeah, we were at that tournament. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, everything, everything shut down. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy now to think about the fact that we were like out and doing stuff at that time. There's um, a whole 20 of us in a house. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And then now the whole world was shut down for a year. Yeah. Yep. Well, Alex, I know I shared a little bit about your background in the beginning, but tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So my name is um, Alex. I got married to my husband, my now husband in 2018. Um, and we have we have a five-year-old, um, so you can kind of do the math on that. We had a baby super young. Um, we're 27. Um, and I've been, you know, working in HR for a while, um, but that's one of the things that it's like so nice to have an outlet for, right? Cause like I have so many different human interactions all day via a screen. And I didn't realize just how much that was like taking out of like my emotional capacity on a daily basis until I started like being able to like work out and play sports again. I was like, Oh my God, no wonder I've been losing my mind. (laughs) No wonder I can't keep it together. Yeah. Yeah, because you're managing, sounds like, quite a few people. Yeah, so right now I'm managing about eight people, um, which has been, it's been kind of a wild ride. I started this job in December. I've been in HR for a while, but I started it 
at my new company in December of last year. Um, and they hired me on originally as a specialist. Um, and so I like had my own like personal workload. I wasn't managing anyone. I was just vibing, doing my <laughs> own job. Um, and then our company kind of had like massive growth over the course of the last six months. Oh, wow. um, and I got promoted into managing a team. Um, and it started with just two people. They were like, oh, like, it'll be no big deal. The transition won't be that hard. Like, you'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Right. Um, and then work just continued to explode. And here we are. JK. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those uh, keep tacking on more and more responsibility. Um, but it's been really great. They've been awesome in, like, supporting me and getting me settled and stuff like that. That's so good. It's just been kind of a wild ride. Yeah. What did you go to school for? I went to school for soil science. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is um, not HR. No, it's not. Uh, so I went to school at NC State for soil and water systems. Okay. Um, and I did all of my internships in college with like engineering firms, um, like wading around in swamps oh <laughs> with like my pants duct taped to my boots and measuring uh, like different kinds of water systems, so like creeks and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then my life took an abrupt left turn and Jeff and I were pregnant and, um, I think maybe she was maybe a year and a half old when I took a job. I was still in school. Um, and I took a job at a recruiting firm. Um, and then I just kind of fell in love with it and I never left. And I don't think that I would ever be tramping around in the woods again. <laughs> I was going to say, do you miss going into the wild and out and about in the outdoors? Or do you feel like this is what you want to be doing? I do not think that I will ever go back. Um, and something that I didn't realize is just like in that line of work, when you're like doing a lot of like develop, like surveying for development and stuff like that, you really see like how sh shitty everything is yeah. like w waiting around under bridges and you see people like camped out places oh. and like in Orange County and in like uh, Wake County too. And then also just like the crap that we have done to, to all our of, world. Yeah. Great. So it's not, it's, I, I look back at it and I don't remember it super positively. Um, so it's kind of sad, but like, yeah, but I did do that for a while. And that's something that I don't think many people know because I've been in HR for so yeah, long. Yeah, <laughs> I would not have guessed <laughs> yeah. that you yeah, played with soil for yeah, quite a I while, did. played in the dirt. I did. And I also like, I was just in school with a bunch of good old boys all the time. Yeah, um, yeah if anyone's familiar with NC State and yeah. we're an ag school, we're an engineering and an ag school. So it would make sense that you'd have quite a few good old boys with yeah, you. Yeah, it was just, it was, there were maybe, it was me, maybe a couple other women, um, and then like 90 dudes who definitely <laughs> just wanted to like farm whatever, which is great, yeah, but like it was a you. very, it was yeah. a very specific uh, demographic that I was not part of. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. A, for a multitude of fair reasons. Enough. Interesting. And so we left state, Got the job in HR and never looked mm -hmm. back. Yeah. It's been good. That's great. I kind of, it was kind of a, it was a transition out of necessity because mm -hmm. we needed to start working because uh, we had the baby. And um, I think a lot of, a lot of things that have like come out of Addie being born have been like really positive changes to my life. But at the time were super painful, which is, like, I feel like how it goes so often. Yeah. Um, you got to go through the pain to get yeah. to the good on the other side. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, so you mentioned, you know, you and Jeff were very young when you got pregnant, but how did you and Jeff meet? Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> it's funny. We were talking about how I was at the gym before this. Uh, Jeff and I actually met in the gym at NC State playing pickup basketball nice. in the rec center. Um, I was playing club basketball at the time. I bet you I yelled at you quite a few times. I was a manager at the gym. <laughs> Probably. Probably told y'all to get uh, out of there. Yeah. Um, so I I was playing club at the time and we would go like on days that we didn't have practice just to like play and hang out. Um, but we didn't have like a huge headcount on the team. So we would like have people come and scrimmage us if we were like getting ready for a tournament or whatever. Um, and quite a few times it was like just dudes that we met in the gym um, or like obviously women that were there playing pickup too. But a lot of the time it was um, groups of guys that would come and scrimmage us. And I met a group of, I didn't know at the time, ultimate Frisbee guys from NC State. Um, 
and Jeff was there, and then our like best friend Clayton was there, um, and we brought them to scrimmage with us at practice, and I kind of just never stopped hanging out with him <laughs> after that. Um, we were like kind of seeing each other pretty casually. Um, We've all been there. We yeah. all, you know, those of us that went to a college environment and dated around casually. Yeah. yeah, it's just after we dated around casually, there was kind of like this giant um, conversion to like me being pregnant. Basically, like three <laughs> months after we met, I think I was pregnant. <gasps> yeah, and we were 21. Well, that is going to wake <laughs> any relationship up, right? Slaps reality oh, real fast. Yeah, it was... Uh... Oh, choices were made. And I just look back and I'm like, wow, we were so young and like had just no idea what was going on. Thinking Um, we're invincible, right? It'll be fine. No big deal. Yeah. And I had like been indoctrinated into the Frisbee cult at this point. Um, (laughs) They like basically as soon as I started um, like hanging out with those guys who were playing on the men's team, um, I was introduced to the women's team. And the women's team at NC State has like a really long history. They like started as a team in 1994. Wow. Um, but at the time with which I was like meeting them, they had they had like really low numbers and hadn't had like um, a lot of turnout for a little while. Like the team was kind of struggling, um, and so I think it was. I I'm a huge lady. Um, I'm like six <laughs> one, two hundred pounds. So they were like, "Okay, maybe we Let's would like her. for you to play." Yes, with we us. need her. Yeah, we're um, gonna steal you from club basketball and get yeah. you to frisbee. So I started uh, hanging out with them a lot, and then that kind of like became my like new family, especially when like everything hit the fan. Wow. Um. So. Yeah. Well, di- you want to dive right into that? How sure. You were, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times that your life legitimately grew and changed in many ways when unexpected pregnancy came into the picture. Yeah. Um, So I, Jeff and I had been seeing each other casually and we were like, we weren't really like seeing other people, but we weren't hanging out like a ton either. Um, And I realized after maybe like a month and a half that I had stopped seeing anyone else and that I was like kind of like super interested in Jeff more than I had anticipated. He like we had both just gotten out of like pretty long term relationships and we're just kind of like trying to figure out the next step. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like. Pretty close to finals. It's like maybe a month before finals. Like April. Yeah. When stuff was like starting to feel like not serious, but like I was super, I was like more and more interested. Um, and then I missed my period. Yeah. And I didn't want to tell Jeff because we were so close to finals, but I like went back to my, my dorm room and I was, um, like sitting in the floor and I think I brought home like 10 pregnancy tests. Oh my gosh. Just cause like the stress of like, wanting it to not be real but I think at that time I I already knew that like something was up (sighs) and so I was a hundred percent sure that Jeff was going to take it horribly um well, we like, hear horror stories, right, about oh, yeah. young people and then heteronormative relationships, young men hearing that they're pe- the person they're deciding to sleep with is pregnant and taking yeah. it awfully. And we were very, we were very different people. Like, Jeff is like, and has always been like, very diligent with his studies and his like work. He's like, very straight laced, very conservative comparatively to me. I've always been like, playing it fast and loose, you know, (laughs) super left-leaning. And I didn't know, honestly, at that time, if things would ever be able to work seriously with us because we were so different. And so just, like, finding out that I was pregnant, I, like, all of, like, the worst-case scenarios ran through my head. I just, like, thought that, you know, he would never be able to have like a serious long-term relationship with me but I also knew he definitely would like probably have like moral objections if I did want to exercise my right to choose and so I sat him down for that conversation and honestly he thought I was going to break up with him no way um or like break things off um because I texted him I was like hey like 
We need to talk. Can we meet up? I need to talk to you. He's like, she's going to leave me. Yeah. He's like, oh, she's like out now. The dreaded we need to talk text. (sighs) Yeah. And we like sat down in his room. I think all of his roommates were there. And they like, (laughs) they were like standing in the hallway, like awkwardly watching us because we were like walking straight back to his room. And like normally we would like all hang out and stuff whenever I'd come over. I'm sitting here thinking about, I lived at U Suites for anyone that's familiar with U Suites when I went to state and just thinking about having to have a serious conversation with someone in your room at your apartment complex like (laughs) it's always so awkward i mean you live in the smallest quarters Mm -hmm. with multiple people you have no privacy yeah so we like walked the gauntlet of all of his roommates trying to figure (laughs) out what the fuck was going on and i like sat him down in the bed and like was like just standing because i was like stressed Mm -hmm. and like couldn't sit still and i was like i just blurted it out i was like i'm pregnant i don't know what to do and like i have my parents are very conservative and i like knew that that was already that like that was going to be like a huge issue so you're thinking about that too not only what jeff's gonna say to you but i have to now potentially tell my parents oh yeah and that was also just a mess but um jeff (laughs) he Jeff has like constantly proven me wrong again and again every time I expect something and I like have, you know, conditioned myself or been conditioned by a lot of interactions in my life to expect the worst from someone. Jeff has like never shown me anything but like the most grace. Wow. And he was like, you know, like, I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know what's going to happen with us. And you obviously can like make whatever choices that you want to make. And like, I support you. But I would like to do this with you if you want to do it with me. Um, And I think at that point, like, that was kind of when, like, everything shifted for me inside my head. And I was like, it's me and you. Like, Like, okay, here we go. Let's figure it out. I don't really know what's going to go on. And (laughs) the timing of it could not have been worse because he'd already, (laughs) like, committed to a um, co-op program in Wisconsin where he's from. Um, so he was about to be leaving for that for nine months. So like for the summer and then the fall semester, he was going to be in Wisconsin. Um, nine months, and it was right full before term pregnancy. Oh yeah. <laughs> he gets to be gone the whole time. Yeah. Um, and so I called my parents cause I was about to have to come home from final, like after finals anyway. Where are you from? I'm from Western North Carolina, okay. just like North of Statesville, straight out 40 basically. Um, and call my parents. Who did not receive it well. Um, and it's kind of like, we have since like made amends. Um, but they were obviously shocked. And they are um, very conservative religious people. And so it was very difficult for them that I was A, pregnant. And B, that like, that my partner was the primary person in my life that I was like concerned with making decisions with me like they definitely I think wanted that to be like a a family thing that like they kept part of the decision making responsibilities and stuff like inside of our like nuclear family yeah um so it was very difficult for them when I was like yeah no Jeff and I are doing this also I've known Jeff for four months and he's in Wisconsin and I've never told you about him yeah we you've never met him he's never been here before we are also like weren't really dating before this. Um, Did you tell them all of that or were you very surface level? Hey, I'm pregnant. This is the father. This is what we're doing. It was all very surface level. Um, I just, I knew what the reaction was going to be. And I think in my mind, I wanted to like try and protect like my peace as much as possible um, which didn't really work, honestly. Like I'm, I left state for the summer. I moved back in with my parents. I was like living at home in like a super small community, very religious community. Um, and they wanted to keep it a secret. You know, I've been sitting here. I, I had a question come up for me while you were talking just now about, we use this term which is not like a big term, but we call it secret keeping. And do yeah. you feel like secret keeping is a uh, value that your family held. Oh yeah, it's very, and I think that's something that still affects me now to this day. I don't like, you know, being super open about like our family dynamic. Like I'm pretty much an open book, but I like to handle things, especially like with Addie or like with decisions like that, like very much internally. Whereas 
Jeff loves to talk about everything all the time. Um, An outward processor. Yes, definitely. Um, And very much ingrained from my parents. Like they were very much, you don't talk about things that are going on or like your like discomfort or anything like that with anyone outside of like our core household. Um, And so I was like doing the whole like very typical, like big clothes to church, like trying to like keep it all under wraps as long as possible. Um, And I was working. I was a camp counselor. Love it. Um, And there was just like kind of a tipping point, like that was never going to be sustainable. Um, They didn't super want Jeff involved. They didn't want me to tell anyone. So no one knew. And I was like isolated from all of my friends. Um, And ultimately, I think most of the people that I was friends with prior to the pregnancy were really no, no longer involved with my life after she was born. Like the Frisbee community in general, shout out to all of you guys, just kind of adopted me um, in kind of like the worst period of my life. Like just looking back at it now, I think there was a time before my parents had like relinquished like control i think that there was like a very like like a give and take situation in which i was pushing them and there was a point with which they were just like okay fine whatever like you can tell people we'll have a baby shower wow all that stuff that's a pretty Um, big win i feel like yeah and they had to be like very much coerced that point i feel like once the dam broke yeah it was what are they gonna do right yeah and my my mother-in-law it's a saint um, she, Jeff Love told you. her while she was in, while he was in Wisconsin, he told her that I was pregnant and she like knew the situation, I think, because Jeff, Jeff is a very perceptive person and he like knew what it was going to be like for me when I was at home. Um, she flew down. We had a baby shower at my, so my sister-in-law, Jeff's sister, her husband's parents live in Chapel Hill. Oh, wow. And they threw me a baby shower. Oh. All of my friends from state came that I had known for like less than a year. We played baby shower games with a bunch of 18 year olds. <laughs> um, but like before we got to that point when like everything was like kind of sorting itself out, I was like, I remember like very vividly my parents had like scheduled this like sit down meeting with their pastor and his wife and me. And my brother, it was like supposed to be like a family meeting. My eyes are and very I was, big right now. Yeah. I was at work that day, like before, like the anticipation of that meeting happening that evening. Um, and I was just like standing in this recreation center where I was like a camp counselor. I was like standing in a shower stall, just like crying, mm. like could not contain myself because I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I I had never been around kids. I had never thought honestly previously to this that I really wanted kids. Um, and Jeff was so far away and I just like felt like the whole like world, like bearing down on me. And then we got to this, like this meeting and my parents pastor was like, you know, no one is going to take care of you the way that your parents will take care of you. Um, I want to scratch my eyes out. Yeah. And they were, and it was the whole, like, it was borderline, like, scared straight. They were like, we think that you should, like, cut ties with Jeff. Like, he's always going to be, like, your baby's father. But, like, you don't need to be relying on him the way that you should be relying on, like, your family. And that was the, that was the, like. What kind of church are you in? That's like, <laughs> get rid of baby's dad. Only uh, be in part of your family. A Southern Baptist church. Um, okay. Yeah. Um and and like I I part of me wants to like understand and you know identify that like I hadn't known Jeff for very long and I'm we sure can that they, see were where they were coming from. Yeah, right. But that was the like the straw for me. Um I called Jeff that night. I was like, "Listen, like I don't think that this is ever going to work. I don't think that I can stay here and like we can like build whatever we're going to whatever we're going to have, whether that be a co-parenting relationship or if we're going to like make this work and like be romantically together. Um, if I stay here. Yeah. Well, you're being gaslit every day by these, by these beliefs that, right. I mean, do they have their reasons for those beliefs? 
sure, you know, yeah. your parents were raised in a different culture or a different community, and and yet that clearly wasn't healthy for you. Yeah, and yet again, Jeff put in a position to make a decision and to like to come through for me at a young age too. Yeah, he his mom flew down. We had a baby shower at my in-laws' in-laws, <laughs> I think. Um, and his mom drove with me from Raleigh or from Chapel Hill to Wisconsin. So and that was it for you. That you was it. I, I moved to Milwaukee. I was probably five months pregnant. Um, I finished out my summer of working with camp and I bounced. Um, so I had never met my now mother-in-law before. She came down for the shower. That was the first time we'd ever seen each other. Um, and she, she's incredible. Like she leaned in at the like the point in my life when with I had lost like a lot of like trust with like adults. Yeah. People being there that are supposed to be there for you. Yeah. And so Jeff was working in Wisconsin. He was on a co-op up in like the northern part of Wisconsin. And she lived in Milwaukee. Um, So when I moved up there, he would be there on the weekends. But I was primarily with Karen. Wow. We Um, love this Karen. We love Karen. Karen is the reason that I have the professional career that I do. She would not let me give up on school. She would not let me give up on me, mostly, honestly. She and I became so close in that, like, three or four months of time with which... Because she put me in school in Wisconsin. Like, I went to school at a public school for a semester, out of state, pregnant. Like, she always had, like, the utmost faith in me. And she always came through for me. And, you know, I think that's super evident in how she raised Jeff yeah. and like the the character that he has now. Um, I'm just, just sitting on- here wrapping my head like around <laughs> that. Like, I know you, y'all can imagine that before we record these episodes or maybe turn the recordings on, we sort of brief each other, you know, talk about what we're going to talk about. But, you know, Alex is like, well, I might cry. I'm over here, like very <laughs> teary eyed about this. I'm thinking about where you were, how vulnerable you were. And what turn your life could have taken. And then Jeff's mom is like, we are not going to let that happen. I was on the razor's edge of giving up on school, being 21 with a baby and having no one. Um, Because at that point, like I had, when I, when I told my parents that I was leaving, that was kind of like, that was an uncomfortable like line in the sand with my parents and they were not willing at that time to really like talk about what had happened with me. And it, that didn't happen until Addie was a toddler. Well, you asserted yourself as an adult, right? I can imagine. Would you say that was the first time you stood up to your parents in such a strong way? Yes. I had, my parents were not like, not like domineering or anything when I was growing up, but like they were very much the, the typical, like, uh, do as we said because we said so types of parents. Um, and that was always like, I had a great upbringing. They were great as like when I was a kid. It's just we had like, we were put in a position where we had very different views and it was just gonna come to a, a violent conclusion regardless. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I went to school in Wisconsin. I was heavily pregnant. I had no friends, really. Um, And the school that I was going to is actually where my mother-in-law went to grad school. So she, um, like, was walking me around campus and stuff. And (laughs) we got me a campus job. Perfect. I had, like, a tiny little baby belly. I worked in the copy and print center. There you go. Um, Yet again, people I'd never met before were so kind to me. Um, And I don't think I really appreciated it until after because like when realize you're in it. the yeah. moment, it's just like so miserable. But none of these like college kids who were most of the time younger than me, because I was like an upperclassman at this point, none of them ever had to show me any of the like grace that they did. But I think everyone could tell that I was like going through it. Like by the time I was seven or eight months pregnant, I was like really getting to the point where I realized I'm going to be caring for a, like a human being. And I have never even held a baby before. Oh, wow. 
Um, like I would, I would cry about like the idea of it, like the gravity of it before I was even presented with like actually having. Because it got more real. I can imagine. Right. I mean, we hear that often when working with moms or if anyone's been pregnant, right? We've had some guests on that have been pregnant or are pregnant or have just had a baby. And they'll say, right, like it's different when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And then when you begin to think about what that means when that baby is outside of you. Yeah. Yeah. All that control is lost. And then if you've never had any experience with babies before, that's a very foreign concept to you to how do you take care of a living, breathing, squirming thing? Yeah. I had no fucking idea. I was a fucking mess. I, I don't know how we made it. Honestly, I, and I know, I know it's because we had so much support, but if you think about like two 21 year olds having a baby in another state, no familial support on one side. Yeah. I don't think a lot of those people grow up and get married and live happily ever after. And I'm not saying we're in our happily ever ever after because like relationships are work, (laughs) but like. Jeff and Addie are the best things that have ever happened to me. And I did not think that that was the case. I had a lot of that like weird resentment for Jeff at that point in time. I was like, I was like seven or nine, seven or eight months pregnant. I was trudging through the snow in Wisconsin. (laughs) I was cursing Jeff's name. And watching Grey's Anatomy with his mom and just like, how is this what my life has become? Yeah. Um, Having a lot of time to think about that too. And I, and like, I had, I had a couple friends that were great to me, but like, I still had like a lot of time on my own, just even like driving in the car, like sitting in the car thinking about life. And it's, it's hard now to think back to how sad and scared I was at the time. Yeah. Um, but we, we um, had all our checkups. I finished my semester at school. Yay. Addie was born on her due date. Look at that. First yeah. time pregnancy and born on a due date. Yeah. When's her birthday? Christmas Eve. <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> you want to talk about like just like the cap, like the icing on the cake of my like weird and traumatic pregnancy. Addie was born on Christmas Eve. Oh, my, gosh. my mom came up. All of Jeff's family. I think every member of Jeff's family that I have ever met was in the delivery room. <laughs> like very recently, very quickly after Addie was born. Like I put my foot down about like during delivery. I was like, you guys are not going to be in here. <laughs> It's just going to be Jeff, no one else, um, which is actually, it's it's hilarious. I'm sure people listening to this who have had kids will understand, but um, my daughter was born on Christmas Eve, so I was in labor, and um, they called my doctor, and they were like, she's, you know, however much dilated, right. you've probably got however long to get here. They didn't get there. <gasps> uh, Jeff was holding one of my feet my nurse was holding my other foot. It was just us for like the majority of the pushing. And then like, as Addie was crowning, like a bunch of like students came in. (laughs) Um, And then my doctor was scrubbing in as like, as I was like having the baby. Um, So she like got to like give her like the seal of approval. Oh my gosh. And then she was gone again. She's like, okay, here presenting your baby. She looks great. Goodbye. Congrats. Um, and then all of my in-laws descended upon my hospital room. <laughs> oh my gosh. No privacy. Nope. Done. No. Did you know you were having a girl? I did. We had um we had found out um and that was around the time. So we had like the full the full um why am I blanking on my what thoughts? I don't um, like a full spectrum testing or something. Is that what you're trying uh, to yeah, say? Yeah. So she had like, they do like an anatomy appointment. That's right. what I'm trying to do. Where they like, like anatomy check scan. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we found out that she was a girl. We also found out at that point that she had a birth defect. Oh, wow. Um, so not a major one, just a very like okay. minor thing. But she had surgery on that when she was like a year old. Okay. Um, she had a duplicating ureter. So she like couldn't siphon off like control of her bladder um, because it was like connected above where that happens. That sounds very uncomfortable. So she just like peed constantly for like the first year of her life. 
<laughs> just you already have to deal to with enough. Else. Oh my god, <laughs> never ending pee. Uh, yeah. So we just she just chilled diaperless a lot of the time. We like put out a bunch of like pee pads, waterproof mats, or like whatever. It'll be fine. Yep, love that. Um, yeah. So Addie was born on Christmas Eve. We were both enrolled for spring semester at NC State. So we drove back down right after New Year's. So she's a week old. She's a week old. We drove cross country from Wisconsin to North Carolina. Jeff went through it on that trip because anytime he went over 35 miles an hour, I was con- I was convinced that we were going to be in a car accident. <laughs> Took you um, twice as long to get home, I can imagine. It was awful. I was I was terrible. But like all the hormones were like leaving my mom. system and I was like I could not emotionally handle being in a car hurtling no. down the interstate. Oh with my her gosh. In the back. That's I can't I can't we just had a friend that just went through that and she said the same thing, right? She's like, yeah. You can't take a baby out of a car seat going eighty on a freeway. Like you, yeah. you so what are you gonna do if you like need your baby? Yeah. But we um we got home. Where we were you living seen, at the time? Uh, so we uh, we made a or we like got a lease online for um, Gorman Crossings, which is like a townhome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, pretty close to state. We we had never sight unseen, so we moved in, Good. having never seen it before. Jeff and his friends moved us in in the night. <laughs> um, just like so that we could like physically live there for a few days before we got like furniture in it. Yeah. Um, and it was the first time that I was like truly alone with the baby. Um, Karen, you know, really helped me a ton because she grew up in like a huge Wisconsin farm family. So she had like, not exaggerating, like 13 brothers and sisters. I think I'm probably lowballing it. She had a ton. Um, that's so many kids. So she's just been around kids her whole life. And she was like very obviously very comfortable. She has three of her own. Um, and so she could really like show me a lot of the things that I had no idea about. But when we got to Raleigh and Jeff was like doing a lot of things that needed to happen in order for us to be settled, it was just me and Addie just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Uh and she was she was a great baby as far as like an infant is concerned. Like she didn't really have any like illnesses or anything like that. She wasn't colicky, but I had no idea what was going on. I like was stressed about picking her up. I was stressed about putting her down. Um, I remember like, and this is like all my own like terrible preparation just because of like how like scary everything was, but I like didn't know any like songs. And I thought that that was like the worst possible (laughs) thing. I remember holding her in the shower. She was like, six weeks old, I was standing in the shower with it on and I was just crying because I didn't know any nursery rhymes. Oh my gosh. And so Karen fielded a lot of FaceTimes about stuff like that, which were just like so inconsequential. Like, like looking back, you're like, I could have just made up a bunch of words. Get on the internet. Okay, like, Google it. <laughs> but at uh, the time, I mean, think about mommy brain, right? It's very real. You're like, I'm awful. I don't know Mary had a little lamb or twinkle, twinkle, little star. Like I can't yeah. think of them. So then we, I was taking all my classes from online for that semester. Um, And so I was like, mostly at home by myself. Jeff was in his classes because he had a lot of like labs and stuff that he had to do. Um, And so it was just me and her just figuring it out. Um, How'd you get through that? Honestly, I don't really know. I... I had like pretty severe postpartum depression, which I feel like the whole setup to everything was kind of just a recipe for me to have like a really hard time adjusting. And I mean, Jeff was great for me at that time. Like he, as soon as I was cleared to like resume physical activity, he had me out on the Frisbee field, like hanging out trying to teach me how to do stuff because I still had no idea. Because, like, when I started playing, I was pregnant so quickly after I had started that I really didn't, like, learn anything previously. Um, It was kind of crazy because my Frisbee career kind of took off after that. About to Um, say, yeah. But... Found your calling pretty quick after that. Yeah. I think 
the biggest thing was just I had such like a great core of women around me. And Jeff really encouraged me and like did whatever was necessary to like give me that outlet. And plus, like, I was taking Addie with me to practice. Like, Addie was in a stroller chilling <laughs> on the sideline. People would be holding her. We put baby carriers on on underclassmen on the men's team. We had her, like... I love were, that. Yeah. I mean, she was definitely, like, the NC State ultimate Frisbee child. And <laughs> She's the mascot She was treated <laughs> as such. Yeah. I mean, that first semester people who couldn't play for whatever reason, like if they had an injury or something, they were pushing my kid on the sideline. She was set up on a blanket doing tummy time while I was trying to like learn to throw. Talk about prime quality socialization for a baby, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a picture of her that exists on the internet. I'm sure people have seen that is, um, (laughs) they put her little tiny baby fist into the bird. (laughs) And um, Poor Addie. Yeah. So... (laughs) She was, um, pr- she's primed for her college experience. Yes. She has been through it. <laughs> she's been inducted real early. Um, but that was kind of like, was kind of my saving grace. I don't know. There's a lot of times, there's a lot of things that I look back on my life and I'm like, I don't know if people hadn't held me at those times, how I could have made it. Um, yeah. Just because I was Ill- very ill-prepared to be a mother. Um, and once I was, once I had her, I knew that it was like the biggest blessing and I loved her so much, but that doesn't take away the fact that, you know, like your brain chemistry can convince you that you're doing a terrible job and that there isn't anyone who has your back and that like, it would be better if you didn't try. Yeah. The guilt and the shame. It was... It was a tough go of it um, for a, a pretty extended period of time. But there was also, I was getting so much love from all of the people in my life yeah. that it made it possible for me to kind of like climb out of that slowly, kind of like chip away. I don't think I became like really comfortable in being a mom until Addie was probably like three or four years old. Wow. And that part of that is like, my own internal struggle, but like there's also people did not think that a 23 year old knew what she was doing with a toddler. Yeah. There's already preconceived notions coming from people and judgments, right? Of why does this college student have a baby? Yeah. And no one in my like close circle ever gave me that kind of a thing, but there were people who were affiliated with the men's team who, um, at one point we were at, (laughs) we were at a tournament And most of the time she was just, you know, hanging out with people's parents and she'd run around or like, we didn't always have the same schedule. So like Jeff would have her, I would have her like, like opposite times. Um, But there was once when we were both at a tournament and we were both playing and she was having a temper tantrum and she was having a moment. She was having a moment and she was two, two and a half. So she was justified in her moment. Sure. Um, and there was a man who was affiliated with the men's team who looked at me and was like, if you guys weren't prepared, you shouldn't have done this. <gasps> what does that even mean? Like, How do you like, prepare for a two-year-old to have a two-year-old moment where they can't communicate their feelings? Like, what? Yeah. Like, Excuse what me. would you like me to have done yeah, before so, this, sir? I'm sorry. Are, are you not prepared? You deal with it then. Yeah. Like, so there, and it was just like little things like that would like affect me for like months. Like, honestly, it still probably affects me now. Like just the fact that I'm thinking about it now. Well, makes me super angry and it didn't happen to me. So I can't <laughs> imagine how you feel. Yeah. But the times like that were few and far between. And honestly, most of the like uncomfortable interactions surrounding my motherhood were like people who were around me who were not prepared to be interacting with a mom who was breastfeeding. That was the biggest one. Um, I hated breastfeeding. I, it took me a long time to get her to latch. We didn't like, that didn't click for us right away. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I was just so absent-minded. I was not good at remembering to pump. I was not good at remembering my pump. <laughs> I was also like trying to like play at a Frisbee tournament and like, for those of you who don't play frisbee, like you go for a weekend, you play four games on Saturday, and then you play until you went until you lose usually on Sunday. So I would be out 
in like a soccer complex for eight or nine hours of the day. And even if I had brought my pump, like where was I going to pump? In it's the, not like in there the porter were, potty. Yeah, yeah, where are you going to go? It's not like there's really power outlets. But there was one funny time. So there's like effectively frisbee's version of referees. They're um, they're observers, and I had played in the game. We did really well. We won. There was a the observer was coming over to like chat with me, but what he didn't realize was I was sitting over in like this weird part of the soccer complex because I had plugged my pump in to the big light pole. <laughs> and so I was like sitting there with my pump under my shirt and he walked all the way up to me from across this from a, across the complex to say something to me. He got within about 10 feet of me when he realized I was pumping. And he's like a I don't know, like a 24, 25-year-old guy who just stopped and stared. And was like, while I was pumping, and he was like, "What are?" You? And then just turned around and walked away. Like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> so, so talk about being ill prepared, right? We need yeah. to prepare men to deal with the realities of motherhood. Listen, there is n- there is nothing weird about a breast pump. No, just lean into it. Yeah, it just it happened. You were probably breastfed, or you were given milk that was pumped yeah. from a woman or your mom, or given formula. And either way, it doesn't matter. But stop making it weird. Yeah, it was. It was a very interesting college career, just from like having her on my hip for a lot of things when people were like not prepared or um, like actively mothering. Yeah, in the presence of nineteen nineteen year olds. There's this TikTok that I actually our friend sent us yesterday of it saying like when. You, the difference between being married and not married, but I think it actually applies more to this than that. <laughs> it's you zo- it's a baby shower, and you p- pans over these two girls taking shots of vodka out of the bottle, <laughs> yeah, and then it p- pans <laughs> back over to the pregnant woman with like yeah. her friends taking a picture, and it's like two yeah. different sets of people. Yeah, it was it was wild, and part of it too was like I wanted to be taking shots of vodka still, and like it didn't I not because I didn't want to be a mom, or because I wanted to be irresponsible, or because I like didn't love my life, but like I was 21 years old. Yeah. That's the culture of being 21. And I hadn't, I didn't realize for a long time that I could do both. Like you can be a college student, you can be a mom. Those things are not mutually exclusive. Like you can do everything that you want to. And I think that's something that Jeff really taught me over the course of like Addie's five years of life is that like neither of us have to give anything up we can meet each other in the middle and like do everything that you wanted to do. Um, That's amazing. And like, honestly, there were a lot of times like my, like my Frisbee has like taken up a lot of time and my like professional career, I've like really leaned in. I work a lot of long hours, Um, but there's, there's been very rarely times when one of us had to like truly sacrifice. And I think that just says a lot about Jeff's, like willingness to fucking go for it um, yeah and y'all's willingness like you said you decided to do this together you wanted to do it and so you were gonna figure out how to have both yeah um getting a little emotional i'm trying not to cry um you're allowed to cry <laughs> crying is good it's healthy um the first time that I like spent the night away from Addie. I was in so like a bunch of cheap college students doing like a, a a college club. So there's like seven of us in a hotel room. <laughs> we had like two queens, so we were doubled up in queens. And then there was literally a girl like who just piled pillows and blankets into the bathtub and she slept in there. Oh and gosh. she liked that. Like that was her preference. That's hilarious. Um but I like was laying, I was laying in the bed with like my best friend and like my person. Um, and I was like horrified because I thought that like my, my like boobs were going to leak during the night. And I was also like away from Maddie. So I was just like stressed and laying there and it was like all the lights were off and it was just completely quiet because everyone was exhausted from the day. Yeah. And I was like trying to like muffle my crying mm. in the night and her name's Bree. Bree rolled over to me and just like gave me like the big spoon action and just like scratched my back till I fell asleep. And like I will never forget that. And just like 
the pain that I was feeling that I didn't know how to vocalize. Um, I just think there's something to be said for like how unprepared I think a lot of us are to handle like some of the like most real life things that are, that are possibly going to happen just because we like don't want to talk about stuff. Like my parents didn't talk to me about sex. My parents didn't talk to me about birth control. My parents didn't talk to me about like having a baby, having a baby. There was no room for that conversation because they were afraid that people were going to know that I was pregnant, honestly. And I think a lot of their like internal, like fear of judgment from like our community impacted our ability to like have that relationship and also for them to just like fucking teach me how to cradle somebody's head yeah which is a reasonable life skill to have yeah and like so much of that has shaped like how i hope to be with addie when she's an adult it's like if you don't lean in in those moments when people are the most vulnerable and like going through like some shit, no one is ever going to be prepared. Like my parents did, did not know how to prepare me to be a mom because I think no one prepared them to talk about shit. Like you have to like deal with the pain of having that conversation in order to prevent shit from continuing to spiral yeah, that like, generational trauma right? it's just yeah so real and i remember holding on so tight to like my sense of control within our lives and that honestly probably gave me the most pain for the first year of addie's life because you can't control an infant and you no. definitely can't control a college ultimate career like <laughs> i was just like i wanted everything to be so perfect because i thought that if it wasn't perfect then everyone would see me for a failure yeah everyone would be- begin to judge you i felt like a failure yeah. just like my whole life was like a very very traditional christian upbringing like you don't have a baby outside of marriage you don't have sex outside of marriage so here i was with my like very small infant, her father, who I had known for barely longer than she'd been alive. And God, I was a wreck. Well, think about all that culminating, right? You said all those messages from your upbringing and then now your reality is slapping you in the face. And then you just said you'd never been taught how to handle any of that, nor been given permission to feel any of it. Yeah. And I think part of it too was like the shame of realizing that internally there was a part of me that was like, I would really rather be doing anything else right now than trying to figure out how to put this baby in her bed without waking her up. Yep. And I don't think that I really realized that I had permission to say any of those things out loud until I like hit like rock bottom. Yeah. Which it's kind of shocking to me that that didn't happen whenever Addie was like when when I was pregnant. Like I never had like a true like rock bottom moment until Addie was born. Well, it's more real then, right? Yeah. She's inside She's, of you and yeah. kind of keep her in there. It's yeah. insulated, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then she comes out, and like you said, the control goes away. Yeah. Um. But it makes sense, you know. We talk about that. That's something that's a big proponent for you know postpartum and you know perinatal and postpartum mood disorders mm-hmm. is not judging or shaming women for having these thoughts. It doesn't make you a bad mom if you think that you'd rather be doing anything else than putting your baby to sleep or that you'd really, really wish your baby would stop crying and you would do almost anything to make that happen. That doesn't make you a bad mom. I don't. I. I think the biggest the biggest change that happened in my life over the past five years is that I had never been a girl's girl prior to having a girl. It was kind of like karma. Like (laughs) you're going to figure it out. Like I really didn't understand like how to have relationships with other women that were like, like so close because I, I think there was always like a competition factor, like a fear of like having close relationships with really anyone, but like particularly with women. And I had a, a baby girl. So like 
try and figure out how to teach her how to love herself if you aren't in that headspace. But also, like, the women that I played with in college were so kind to me and really showed me, you know, you don't have to put up all of these, like, barriers with us because even if you don't, even if Addie cries, we don't see you any differently. That's Addie. She's a baby. Yeah. You didn't cause that. You know, you don't, I mean, hopefully, right? You didn't cause that. And if you did too, like, she's a baby. Babies cry. Sometimes that happens. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) So. You know, what I've been hearing as a theme that's been woven in and out of our conversation this last little bit is that we need each other. Mm -hmm. We need other people. And that's been a theme throughout this podcast. I think that many, many people grow up believing that you're supposed to be able to do things by yourself. It's shameful if you need other people or it makes you needy. That's not true. Humans are meant to be pack animals. We're meant to be around other people and we need other people and each other for support to get by. I did not figure out my life and how to you know, thrive versus just exist and survive until I learned that I could lean on the people in my life. And it was a hard lesson to learn. And it took me getting pregnant in college, having a baby with someone I barely knew to like, just let go of like my preconceived notion of what it means to like be a, a, a partner in a relationship. I had never had probably a, you know, good, solid, healthy <laughs> no, relationship. No. <laughs> and so I was completely unprepared for Jeff to be a, so adult and B, you know, to come through in the ways that he came through. And that's just also part of like, I think a lot of people need a lot of therapy and I was definitely one of them. Luckily. Another plug for therapy. Go to therapy. Honestly, I did not know what a like mess I was in emotionally and mentally until I sat down with someone who was like qualified to help me work <laughs> through everything. And I definitely needed it sorely. Yeah. But it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you felt like you could talk about that. How are you today? We're so good. And I think that we went through it so that it could be so good. Um, Addie's five. She hey. just finished kindergarten. Look at that. Jeff is working. He's a chemical engineer, but he does consultant work at Pfizer. Nice. Um, I got a Pfizer vaccine. I got a Pfizer vaccine too. <gasps> Look at that. Double vaxxed. Yes. Let's go. Um, and then I, like my professional career has like really, you know, hit like a, a nice upward trajectory just because, you know, I think that I like got in exactly the right time. And I also have like the capacity and like the mental energy to really push. Um, I think that's, you know, been a huge gift and a blessing from my relationship with Jeff. Um, Also from like, from a COVID standpoint, like we were so lucky um, that we weren't impacted. Um, My job can be done from home. Um, that didn't really, our like work didn't really have to take a backseat or like was not negatively impacted by like Mm -hmm. trying to be responsible and do like social distancing. So that's been really great as well. Um, how was having Addie home for COVID? (laughs) We made it. So this is like, this is kind of like the, the silver lining to a situation, like having a kid in college. But when you have a kid in college, you kind of get used to trying to like balance doing schoolwork and also having That's her true. around. Um, but the the other side of that coin is she's been in a position where she's had to play alone. Yeah. And she's been in a position where we couldn't be with her all the time. And she's an independent little girl. Like she, she does her own thing. She likes to, this is going to sound like super cheesy but um (laughs) she likes to paint in my office i love that so i'll be like i'd be like working and she'd be painting on like a little easel in front of me i'll show you a picture that is so (laughs) cute oh my gosh um but yeah she's just vibing i mean there were definitely hard days and i don't doubt i can't i can't imagine people who like did virtual school um like consistently through covid um but yeah i mean we were very blessed that's amazing um so it's so all good. All good. That's great. You mentioned therapy, mm-hmm. which I know I appreciate. 
What are what else are you doing to take care of yourself? What does taking care of yourself look like now that you learned from the last five years? Certain thing you want to be doing. Boundaries. We love that word here. And medication. <laughs> I love it. It's a plug a very, for both. Yeah, it's a very um, it's a very fine tuned cocktail of telling people no and meaning it and sticking to that. And um, taking good care of my brain and my physical body. I love that. Hey, Um, if you can't produce your own serotonin, store-bought is fine. Yeah. I mean, I, like, have some anxiety. Um, Reasonably so. I was never medicated for that previously, and I realized through everything that that was probably a good idea. (laughs) I needed a little bit of assistance. Um, And... I do a lot of like still team sports now that um, everybody has been able to be vaccinated and we can like be together and be responsible. I do a lot of like physical exercise. Yeah. So that's Which seems kind of my to be cocktail. really helpful. I love yeah. that. I love that cocktail. We've got boundaries, saying no to people and sticking to it, which is a skill in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Any form of physical, mental support, mm-hmm. medication, you know, whatever that looks like. And then physical exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And being around people mm-hmm. that love and care about you and support you. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I asked you this yesterday to prepare for today, but is there a mantra, words of advice, anything that has guided you that you choose to live by now? The biggest thing that I like try to to keep in mind on a daily basis is something that Karen said to me whenever I was pregnant. Um and that's like, if you're not taking care of you, you can't take care of anyone else either. And like, there are always rough parenting days and that will always happen. Like, you're always going to have like a difficult interaction with your kids. Sometimes if work's been rough or if you're tired or for whatever reason. Um, but there were a lot of times whenever I was, you know, newly a mom when I was playing for his B and trying to do school and I was trying to do like all of this stuff. It was too much. And I wasn't taking care of like my own mental health or my physical body. And then I would have like a really regrettable like thought or feeling about Addie or about my role as her mom. Um, and it took several of those moments for me to be like, you know, I don't want to be going into my relationship with my child with the same difficulties or emotional boundaries that I experienced. Um, and so, you know, something that has been something that I've really worked on and that I would encourage everyone to think about is taking care of yourself, not just like the self-care, like movement. Yeah. Like doing a face mask is not going to fix your life, but (laughs) no, not the gold ones, (laughs) (laughs) not the gold ones. Um, but like lean into like the stuff that you're like the shit that you're going through and work it out. Like if that means going to therapy or, you know, talking to someone or seeking medication, those things are not problematic. Those things can help you have a relationship with your significant other or your family or yourself that allows you to have like to do more than just exist. And I was so shamed by a lot of those things that I had never tried. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that I try to do now yeah. to help myself. Want to pass on to Addie, right? Like you said, to change the relationship you have with your child from what yeah. you grew up with. Yeah. My kid has got some weird ideas about life, but that's all very carefully curated by me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She teaching her young. Uh, she told uh, she told our neighbors yesterday that I'm the, the strongest person in our house, and they just looked at her, and I was like, "Do not tell her any different." Nope, I need her to believe that. <laughs> yeah, and you probably are. We don't know that she's talking about physically. True. Right? True. You probably are the strongest person in your house, and the fact that your daughter sees you that way is pretty incredible. Yeah, I think so. One of my one of my uh, really good friends who I play frisbee with now on my current club team. Um, said it best. He he just made the observation when we were at practice one time, um, like how Addie sees you now is hopefully how she will see herself in the future. And so you got to like hype that shit up. 
Like you got to build that up so much so that she can see that and feel yes. that later on when she's a, a grown woman. Cause you know that everyone's going to be coming for it. Like her, all of her confidence. Yes. So yes. we're just hyping her up. Good. As she deserves to be hyped up. And then the fact that her parents made the decision to bring her into this world, knowing nothing about bringing a baby into this world. Wild. I do not recommend getting pregnant when you're 21 <laughs> for the listeners at home. We are big pro birth control and pro making decisions that best fit you in yeah. your life. Jeez. Yes. I mean, Alex, I'm simply blown away, you know, because it wouldn't have been unfamiliar or odd to me if you had not wanted to share your story. And I am so grateful that you decided to be vulnerable and talk about a time in your life where you truly, you know, had it rough. You know, and, you know, saying I've been better is barely scratching the surface for, I think, what you've experienced. And I'm so grateful that you're doing well now and can look back on that time in your life and talk about it. I appreciate you having me. And I think the biggest reason I talk about this all the time, and I would tell someone I met at the grocery store tomorrow, like any of this, but I think if one person hears it who has had like a thought that they don't deserve it or maybe that they shouldn't be here, it's worth it. Yeah. Stick around, right? Things can get better and there's help and there are people that love you. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I'm grateful for you. I'm so glad that JKS introduced us to each other (laughs) by proxy and, and that we're Insta DM friends and we send each other lovely memes. All the memes. All the memes. (laughs) Very grateful for that. And so thank you so much for being here today. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've Been Better dot pod.